Helen Parsons was the last person a guinea pig wanted to see. The young woman in the lab coat and round spectacles didn't look threatening, but she was a killer among killers. In the 1920s and 30s, Parsons was Canton's top disease detective. In her health department lab, she hunted for typhoid in the tap water and tuberculosis in milk deliveries. She cultured samples of venereal disease and injected her collection of ill-fated guinea pigs with diphtheria, a nasty bacterial infection that impaired their breathing and could cause heart failure, paralysis, and death. If the little furball lived, the health department could release the human patient from quarantine. If the guinea pig died, the quarantine remained. Hired just after the 1918 pandemic flu, Parsons ran the city lab for more than 15 years at a time when less than 5% of scientists were women. But when she died decades later at the age of 77, no one remembered her work to keep the city safe. Welcome to Tales from the Rep Morgue, the podcast that explores the 200-year-old archive of the Canton Repository. I'm your host, Shane Hoover. I put the podcast on hold when the coronavirus pandemic started, and it feels good to be telling stories again. I hope everyone is staying healthy, taking precautions, and looking out for each other. Although some parts of life have returned to normal, the pandemic is not over, and there is no indication that it will end anytime soon. In fact, cases are surging again. When we go to the store or to work, we're told to wear a mask, wash our hands, and stand at least six feet apart to avoid this new, invisible scourge. For many of us, it's probably the first time we've really had to think, every day, about how to avoid catching a deadly, infectious disease. But life and death weren't always that way. Part 1. Great Grandpa's Diseases Ohio's health was slipping in 1916. More than 74,000 people died that year, 8,000 more than had died in 1915, and they were dying at a higher rate. Heart disease was the number one killer. Cancer was number four, followed by accidents at number five. But infectious diseases were especially deadly. Tuberculosis killed almost 7,000 Ohioans in 1916, second only to heart disease. Measles and typhoid each killed almost 800. Whooping cough killed almost 700. Polio took 50 lives. Nine people died from smallpox. Summer complaint, an archaic euphemism for severe diarrhea, killed more than 3,000 people more than train and automobile accidents combined. 
1916 was a long time ago. Most of us have never known the diseases our grandparents and great-grandparents feared and survived. The United States has been free from smallpox and polio for decades. Tuberculosis kills about 500 people a year out of a country of more than 300 million. Measles had been considered eliminated, but outbreaks still happen, usually in people who haven't been vaccinated. We floated through life protected by an arsenal of vaccines and antibiotics. We've lived our lives by five-second rules and told ourselves, dirt don't hurt. We've never seen a house with the quarantine placard. Never had a classmate killed or disabled by polio over summer break. Never paid a second thought to germs in the city water. Never truly faced contagious disease as an existential threat. Until now. But almost a hundred years ago, that was the world in which Helen Parsons worked and lived. Part 2, when we come back. Part 2. The Book of Plagues. There is a book, parts of which are over a hundred years old. Brittle, typewritten pages, stitched together and bound in black, cloth-covered cardboard. It's one of Jim Adams' favorite books. And I just find it fascinating as a, you know, kind of a student of history and a way to, to learn from the past and, and do better in the future. If you didn't know Jim before these last few months, you probably know him now. He's Canton's health commissioner, one of the many public health professionals working to fight the coronavirus. He had never fought a pandemic before. He'd only read about such things in the book. Because the book contains the minutes of the Canton Board of Health from 1916 through 1933. A lot of it chronicles the boring business of government. Paying bills, disagreements between board members and the health commissioner, hiring and firing employees. It's also a chronicle of the diseases that plagued Canton during the early decades of the 20th century. Without a doubt, the minutes of the meetings held during the 1918 flu pandemic are fascinating. But we've already told that story here. Just as interesting are the smaller outbreaks that threaten Canton with regularity. Like that time in the summer of 1922, when people started getting typhoid. Contaminated city water was to blame. Adding chlorine to the water and not pumping from certain wells ended the outbreak. But not before 25 people got sick, including at least three that died. One of the first to die was Raymond Dannemiller, an 18-year-old high school student. One of the last victims was his 56-year-old mother, Mary, who died a month later, leaving behind her husband and three other children. Or in 1927, when residents of Canton, Maslin, and Alliance hunkered down as a polio epidemic swept the state. Churches, schools, and theaters closed. School was postponed. Children younger than 16 couldn't go to public gatherings or the county fair. And the state fair even canceled that year's baby show 
because, as the state health director said, the situation was serious and demanded, quote, the use of horse sense. Canton had 27 cases of polio that summer, and six people died before the epidemic subsided. The dead included 10-year-old Dean Housley and 12-year-old Wilma D. Jones, who was already prominent in local music circles, and 28-year-old Edna C. Euler, who was survived by her husband and two sons. Alliance had deaths too, but Maslin escaped any fatalities. Through it all, Helen Parsons worked in the city lab to tell the doctors what they were facing. Part 3, when we come back. Part 3, Unsung Hero. The health department hired Parsons in 1921 after the doctor who had been running the lab died. The repository didn't report the circumstances of his death, and there's no indication that it was tied to his laboratory work. But the job was hazardous. Parsons herself seriously burned her left hand and wrist with acid during an accident in 1926. The city's hire of Parsons was front-page news. Parsons, whose family was from Kent, was a graduate of Lake Erie College and did further study at the University of Michigan. She had worked for two years as an assistant bacteriologist for the city of Highland Park, Michigan, before coming to Canton. The repository ran a photo of Parsons working in her lab beneath the headline, Girl Handles Deadly Germs Daily, in 1922, just a few months after the city had hired her. The story told how Parsons worked in a lab surrounded by samples of sputum, blood, and spinal fluid, a soldier in the city's battle against disease and adulterated food. When she wasn't peering through her microscope at deadly organisms, part of Parsons' job was testing milk for butterfat. 3% was the minimum allowed by state law. It might not seem to be glamorous work, but Canton residents drank more than a pint of milk per person per day back then. And when the cops seized bootleg liquor, another favorite beverage in town, Parsons told them if it was over the half a percent limit imposed during Prohibition. In 1924, Parsons and her guinea pigs were part of a citywide effort to test and inoculate schoolchildren against diphtheria. The effort was so successful that cases dropped by 78%. In 1937, Parsons submitted her resignation to the health department with plans to open her own laboratory. A couple of years later, she married Dr. Lauren Frick, a pioneering anesthesiologist in Canton. Helen Parsons died in 1974 at the age of 77 from an extended illness. The story about her death mentioned her leadership in society clubs and on community boards, including the YWCA, Canton Women's Club, and College Club. But the story said nothing about her years as Canton's disease detective. Even her surviving family members 
don't know much about what Parsons did for the city. And her name is unknown at Canton City Public Health. But the work Parsons did continues. The Canton City Public Health Lab today tests water samples for bacteria, identifies cases of gonorrhea, syphilis, HIV, and chlamydia. It monitors air quality and helps to identify ticks. Many of the same tasks that Helen Parsons did almost a hundred years ago. Most of us don't give it a second thought. Maybe we should. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Rep Morgue. Our theme music is Blind by Maidon. Other songs heard in this episode included Amber Hayes, Blue Lobster, and Trees in the Wind by Daniel Birch. November by Kai Engel. And Mystery by the Paul Beast Novelty Orchestra. You can read the show notes and listen to other podcasts at cantonrep.com.